Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us is Giant Bandari, the host of the highly acclaimed Capitalism and Morality and a prominent satellite advisor to institutional investors. Today, we will discuss the mining industry in India and arbitrage opportunities. Mr. Bandari, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Maurice. Giant, glad to have you on the show as always. Let's begin our discussion in India. There are some new reform laws taking place in the mining industry that could really have a significant impact on India. For the members in the audience that uh, may not be familiar with India and its natural resources, can you share what India produces and how it has been extracting those resources historically? India produces about 40,000 ounces of gold. Now, India should be able to produce a lot more ounces of gold in that country. But the problem is no one cares to explore for gold in that country. Firstly, because the land rights are not properly defined. And then if you at all manage to define the land rights, the bureaucratic procedure to get from reconnaissance permit to mining permit is virtually impossible. It takes a huge amount of time. And at every step, the bureaucrat has the right to take away the project from you. So you might invest hundreds of millions of dollars on this, these projects, but at the end of the day, the government might just take that project away from you. That is the reason why Indian mining industry is extremely backward. Coal mining is a monopoly of the government of India. Iron ore mining takes place in a very confined space in that country in which private operators operate iron ore mining and private operators operate iron ore mining as a part of the steel industry. And in every case, or at least virtually every case, these companies are in bed with the government in a corrupt way, and they are in bed with the mafia. When you have corrupt regulations, you also empower mafia kind of organizations to come and exist, who then exploit the local people. So Indian mining in industry is almost an impossible industry as an industry you might want might be able to operate that as a mafia run industry but even then indian companies prefer to own coal mines and iron ore mines in brazil africa indonesia papua new guinea or australia but they prefer not to operate in india because not only the costs not only the bureaucratic regulations are very difficult or impossible the land rights are very difficult. And on top of that, the costs of making mining happen in that country is extraordinarily high. Giant, two-fold question here for you, for someone not familiar with India. Are the mines there nationalized? And if so, what changes is India trying to implement to change this course? Coal India is a nationalized company. It is run by the government of India. It is listed on the stock exchange, but the majority of the shares are owned by the government, which means that the government runs the company based on what looks beneficial to the government. 
Now, in the past, the government of India has made many attempts to liberalize the coal mining. The problem is that India has among the highest and the largest reserves of coal mining in the world. However, Indian coal power electricity generating station must import a huge amount of coal from Brazil and Australia and Indonesia because Coal India is an extraordinarily corrupt organization, which means that they cannot supply the required coal to the electricity generating power stations. And when they do supply coal to the power stations, it is mixed with a huge amount of waste rock, which creates a massive amount of efficiency problems at the power stations. In all, that means that people, the companies, the electricity generating companies find it much easier to import this coal from outside the country than buy it from the mine next doors. That is how difficult mining has been in that country, mostly because there's no rule of law in that country and mostly because these bureaucrats who have zero experience of real life assume that they must be trusted by companies and citizens and they reserve the right to steal your property when they wish to take it away from the so for the so-called greater good of the society and the so-called greater good of the society always translates into more bribes and more corruption in that country sounds as if there's a number of inefficiencies within the industry as a champion of liberty, I assume that you're in favor of the privatization of the mining industry in India, but is there a catch that India's initiatives on India's initiatives on this uh, legislation? Nothing will change because of the new law that, that they are trying to bring in to liberalize the coal production of that in that country. And again, the reason is very simple. They will make some superficial changes as they have consistently made over the last 30 years, but nothing significant, nothing material will change, which to make it attractive for outsiders to invest in that country. In fact, not much will change for even Indian companies to invest a lot more money in that country. As I said earlier, even Indian companies prefer to invest their money in Africa or Papua New Guinea or Indonesia, which are by themselves very difficult jurisdictions. But India is such a tough jurisdiction that no one really cares to invest in mining in that country. Giant, if India is not a good place to put our capital, do you have any names and or arbitrage opportunities that have your attention at the moment? Well, there's certainly one Indian company, a mining company that I follow. I don't invest in that company. Uh, however, it is run by some good people. Uh, and the name of the company is Australian Indian Resources. Uh, and their sister company is Deccan Gold Mines. Deccan Gold Mines is listed on Bombay Stock Exchange. Again, it is run by people I like, but I don't necessarily think this will lead to a profitable investment. However, I can talk with you about other investment opportunities that I see right now. One company is Nefsen Resources, a company that I have talked with you about in the past when it was trading for almost half as much as it is trading now. It is currently trading at $4.50 Canadian, uh, and there is a hostile takeover offer 
which is priced at $5 Canadian. So from a hostile takeover perspective, you already have about 10 to 12% upside in owning Nefson resources. But also I think the offer will likely get increased significantly over a period of time. And my guess is that with very limited down, downside risk by investing in Nefson, I might position myself to make about 25 to 50% upside in investing in Nefson. There are two more uh, arbitrage opportunities, Maurice. One is uh, US Cobalt. The ticker is USCO in the venture exchange, and it's trading at 95 cents Canadian. The arbitrage upside is more than 20% if you buy it at less than 95 cents Canadian. And there's another company called Val Gold Resources. The ticker is VAL, and it's trading at 11 cents. If you invest in it at 11 cents, you position yourself to make about 20% arbitrage upside. There are two more companies that I want to mention, Maurice. Uh, one is Amarillo Gold and Treasury Metals. And both are trading at a price at prices lower than the peer gold companies. AGC Amarillo Gold is trading at 25 cents and Treasury Metals is trading at 41 cents. And at these two prices, at these prices, I like both the companies. Giant, on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you for sharing that. But before we leave issuers, you wrote a piece recently regarding uranium. Uh, give us your thesis on uranium, please. I don't like investing in uranium for two reasons. Firstly, uranium companies mostly produce uranium at a loss today. When you make something at a loss, this means that for investors to invest in uranium companies means that they position themselves for a loss. Now, yes, uranium prices can go up in the future, but if I think uranium prices can go up in the future, I must invest in uranium as a commodity, and you can do so by buying uranium futures, and one mechanism is via uranium participation corporation, and that way you not only buy uranium, you protect your downside risk because you are not consuming your capital waiting for uranium prices to go up. But moreover, I'm not very optimistic about the future of uranium price. And the reason is that uranium capital required for generating uranium elect electricity based on uranium is very high. And not many jurisdictions have the capital to provide for uran uranium inf infrastructure to produce electricity using uranium. And also uranium electricity is now increasingly competing with electricity generated from solar, solar cells and from wind energy. So I am actually not very keen on investing in uranium mining. In closing, what can you share with us about capitalism and morality, which is the preeminent name for reason, argumentation and liberty? Uh, tickets are still available. We have uh, sold about 60 to 70% seats already. Uh, the next seminar will be held on the 21st of July, 2018 in downtown Vancouver. 
Um, people like Rick Rule, Doug Casey, Adrian Day um, will be speaking at the seminar. Uh, Dr. Ian Plymer will fly in from Australia to speak. So there are a lot of very good speakers at the seminar. It's a philo philosophy libertarian seminar. Jane, please share the date and location with us. 21st of July, 2018. And this will be immediately after the end of a Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. And it is held at the Simon Fraser University's downtown campus in Vancouver, Canada. And last question, what did I forget to ask? As I have talked with you, Maurice, in the past, uh, people should be paying a lot more attention to what is happening in the third world countries. The third world countries are glorified, romanticized in the media and by the World Bank and the IMF. The third world is in a very bad shape and it will continue to get into a worse shape as time goes by. People in the third world countries should try to protect their wealth. And while they, when they try to start protecting their wealth more aggressively, my guess is that gold price will start outperforming. And that is one of the reasons why I like to invest in gold. Giant, if someone listening wants to get more information about your work, please share the contact details. The website of mine is giantbhandari.com and on that website, I post everything that I speak about or write. Also, there's a tab called Capitalism and Morality on my website that takes you to all the past video recordings of the seminars I have ever run. And it also gives you links for registration for the next seminar. And for our listeners, there is a link as well on our website to register for Capitalism and Morality. Please look on the right-hand corner. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Jain Bandari, the host of Capitalism and Morality, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Maurice. All the best to you, sir. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.